Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanya of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Praise the name of Jesus. Aren't you just excited? There's something about this Christmas for me. I don't know. I don't know about you. It's just different. It's just different and so exciting and peaceful and it's just so much joy to go around. So um, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're having a great Christmas. I hope you remember the season that we're in and the reason that we're having this season. Uh, I, I really pray from the bottom of my heart that the, the blessings of Christmas, and when people say that, it sounds cliche, but when we talk about the blessings of Christmas or the joy of Christmas, I'm talking about the blessing of the Holy Spirit, the blessing that God gave to Abraham, that through Abraham and the seed of Abraham, all nations of the world will be blessed. That is that promised seed. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That's the blessing I'm talking about. And when I talk about the joy of the season, I'm talking about the joy of salvation. When the angel came and gave the announcement to Mary, what did the angel say? He said, I bring glad tidings of great joy. Glad tidings. Why? Because the world has received its Savior. And glory to God, you have received Christ as Savior. I have received Christ as Savior. And that's why our joy is complete. Amen. It's not even just the chicken. And I know a lot of people feel sad sometimes where maybe Christmas didn't work out the way they wanted it to. Maybe they weren't able to spend time with friends or family as much. Maybe you're in the diaspora and you're homesick and nostalgic. Or maybe you just feel like you've lost a lot of friends and now what you would have done with those friends, you can't do them anymore. Look, there is more to this season than just eating and being together as much as that is important. It's a time to reflect on the joy that salvation brings, the joy of your salvation, the one that is uncircumstantial, and it's something that we should remember and prioritize even as believers here at Vivify. Praise the name of Jesus. All right, so I want to do something very important. Um, This service is going to be pretty short. I know many of you need to rest. You need to spend time with family, and it's going to be a quick one, but also very, very instructional. So I want you to take instructions to help you launch you into the new year. Of course, we're going to do much more on the 30th of this month, that's this coming Friday, where we have our own transition crossover service. I want you to be around for that. It's very prophetic. Don't miss it. Some of you are getting instructions and the right push in the right direction. Then we'll reveal what the the theme of next year is for us at Vivify. Um, And it's brilliant. I promise you, you're going to see it happen in your life if you're committed to this ministry and you follow us through. All right, so I want to just say a word of prayer and then we dive right in. To what we have for today. Precious Lord in heaven, thank you. Thank you for such an amazing time that we've had so far. Thank you for the prayers that have been said. Thank you for you being a good father, hearing those prayers. Thank you for the season we're in. Thank you, Lord, because we are grateful. We've received the best gift you could ever have in your son. We love you, Lord. As we study your word, as we take these instructions, let them ring hard in our heart. Let your spirit activate your words in our lives and take us to the next level. Push us in the right direction. That, Lord, in all things we will bear fruit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Glory to God. I want to do something very interesting. And, of course, if you're still online, just, you know, encourage that neighbor, that person that I hope you're ready for service. Because I am. Just tell them that. I hope you're ready because I am super ready. And just show how ready you are with your exclamation points. If you're ready, just put your ready. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, I love this. And I love you all. I love you all so much. What? Oh, you love me. Oh, okay. Hey, Pastor Babe. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to have um, what I want to do just to honor the season we're in. I want to... I uh, read a very quick poem that I wrote um, three years ago. I wrote this three, four years ago, yes. I wrote it just one time in, in the university chapel just by myself. And because there was a nursery rhyme that we all know so well, all so well, we know this nursery rhyme. And then when I thought about it, I'm like, the writer must have had some, there's some meaning here. Like, if you can just tweak some of the words, there's some meaning here. And I just decided to write uh, on this, the title of this poem I wrote is Mary Had a Little Lamb. Some of you might have heard it before. It'll be great to just share this with you again. Are you ready? It's not a spoken word. I'm just going to read it and recite it. Uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb. 
Mary had a little lamb. He was white as snow. I'm already didn't spoken word. <laughs> Mary had a little lamb. He was white as snow. Holy, meek, and spotless. He was sure to grow. Unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. To restore man's intimate fellowship that once was torn. Mary had a little lamb. The God incarnate. Pure with fine wool from which no sin could originate. With the will of the Father engraved in his heart and joy in his gaze, his mission kicked off to a start. From the depths of darkness, blind eyes sought light. At the touch of his hands, a delight. The soles of the feet of the lame desire the warm embrace of the ground, all at the sound of his voice well-renowned. He lived a life of unassailable worth and purity. The pleasures and comforts of this life were strange to his personality. Trivialities and frivolities were not on his to-do list. King turned servant. What an unforeseen twist. How odd to think of the creator made into his creation. How weird to see the great teacher beaten. How shocking that the bread and fountain of life would hunger and thirst that the truth will be accused of blasphemy, that the healer will be inflicted, that the light will be slain by darkness, that life should die. And confined to the integument of frail humanity, entangled in suffering and pain, such brutality, Lion of Judah, now Lamb of God that was slain, all in a bid to remove sin's stain. And so now the cross screams loudly of my redemption, all because Mary had a little lamb. Praise the name of Jesus. I hope that uh, was a very uh, as meaningful as it was to me to you. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you ready? All right, let's dive into Bible study. Um, I want to teach you how to finish strong. We've covered a whole series so far from the beginning of this month till now, and I really have been getting so much... Uh, uh, testimonies from last last week's teaching on love yourself. Uh, I think it's a teaching that many of us, myself included, uh, have to revisit and check again to really see how much do I really love myself. You know, one of the things I didn't mention categorically, which I want to mention because I want to say to myself, is take time to rest. Take time to <laughs> Take time to rest, sleep, rest, work will continue, life goes on. If you don't rest, you won't go on. That's the sad reality. And I'm learning this the hard way. But prioritize, <laughs> please reduce your volume. Prioritize your life in this way that you rest, give attention to your body. Because rest is a vital part of work, as they say. All right, so uh, let's go into today's teaching. One thing I want to do is I'm going to borrow Paul's strategy. Paul has a very powerful strategy, our Apostle Paul, and there's something that he wants to show us. I see his example, and it's in the book of Philippians chapter 3. I want us to do that. This is going to be an activation for many people and just the needed motivation to take you through the end of the year until the next year. I want to borrow his strategy. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read from verse 12. We're going to read from verse 12 and just pick some points from this. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you there? Yes. Philippians chapter 3 from verse 12 to 16. This is what it says. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. So Paul has taught these people. Previous verses, he's saying, look, if people want to boast, I can boast even more. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees. You cannot bring the scriptures and you think I'll be confused. I know this thing in total. I know it. He boasted, not boasted, but like according to the flesh. He was saying, this is what he had. This is his achievement. He had this degree. He was telling you, look, according to his works and achievements, he has it. He has it. You come in, you're coming to say you are some new apostle. He's saying, look, I have the credentials. I have the credentials. But look at what he's doing in verse 12. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things that I'm teaching. But it tells you that Paul was still on his journey to knowing more and being better and growing in the Lord. Or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection 
for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. Powerful. Verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past. Oh. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm going to say that again. Forgetting the past and looking forward to that which lies ahead. Verse 14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. I love that language. I press on to reach the end of the race. I press on. And it says, and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ is calling us. Verse 15, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, look, look at the language here. This is, a lot of people have missed this. Look at verse 15. It said, let those who are spiritually mature agree on this. He's saying that even at the point that he's talking about, even if you're spiritually mature, you are to forget the things that are behind and press towards and not think that you have accomplished or attained anything yet. Do you see the language? He's not saying if you're upcoming, you're upcoming in the faith, you're just growing. Agree on this, that there's more for you. He's saying, no, even if you're spiritually mature, don't think you have arrived. Some of you, you've gotten to a place where you have the knowledge, you know about the gospel, you know about redemption. You attended this Bible camp, you attended this program. Oh, you, you, it, it touched you, you know these things, you're enlightened now. You're a big boy, you're not a big girl. <laughs> you cannot bring Bible to you without you understanding all those things. Paul is saying, relax, calm down. Knowledge puffs up at the end of the day, as the Bible says. It says, calm down, relax. You are only still just beginning. There's still so much. There's still so much. In this same chapter, it was Paul who said, you know, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is a man who has understood the Lord and followed the Lord for a couple of years. And at this point, when he's writing the book of Philippians in chains, by the way, he's in prison. And he's saying, look, I still want to know him. He's in a place of suffering and said, I still want to fellowship more in his sufferings. That's the language of the Paul that is writing this book. It's incredible. It says, let those who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Verse 16. And, and this is incredible. I'm going to explain all of this. It says, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. I'm going to highlight just four points from this scripture. Number one, number one, realize that the work isn't finished. Realize that the work isn't finished. And this is a call to humility. That as much as you've done this and done that, the work is not done yet. There is still yet to be done. In your personal development, there's still work. Yes, maybe your English is more polished now. You can speak better, but you can always get better. Anybody who speaks knows this, that there's always room to get better. Maybe you started coming out of your comfort zone. You started you know, interacting with people more, socializing even more. You can get better in this. You can get to know more people. You can get to be more hospitable, more accommodating. Whatever aspect of your life it is, maybe it's even in your career. The work isn't yet done. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. Once you start to believe that you have everything right, there's nobody better than you, you are the only one who knows what you know, you'll start to fall immediately. That's the arrogance that the devil had at the beginning where he said, no, no. Why would I serve a God when I can have all these things, all this glory to myself? And puffed himself up. It has to be me. It's me. Don't fall into that trap. It's a time to say, look, you've gone some distance. You've grown. You can look at the year 2022 and you say, look, wow, I have grown. But the truth is the work isn't done yet. Like Paul, in Paul's words, he says, I have not attained, not that I have apprehended, not that I have reached this perfection. I have not. There's still work to be done. This is Paul's language. That's the first one. Realize that the work isn't done yet. Number two, forget the things past. And this is related, but I want to emphasize this even more. Forget the things past. I'm going to talk about three things to forget. Three things. 
Number one, the mistakes made. Forget the mistakes that you've made. 2022 was a year you know truly that at some point, maybe someplace in your life, you just think about it and you're like, I think I made a very big mistake. Maybe it's in that relationship. Maybe it's with that friend. Maybe it's in those words you exchange with, with a family friend or family member or a colleague. Maybe it was that moment of weakness where you shouldn't have done something that you did. You made those mistakes quite all right. And of course, I'm not advocating for, oh, I made a mistake. It doesn't matter. Who cares? God loves me still. And I push on. That's not the culture we're building here. It's a culture of godly sorrow, the kind that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 7, where he says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Godly sorrow helps us realize we've made mistakes, makes us grieve about it, makes us feel terrified that, look, how am I able to do this terrible thing in the sight and presence of a holy God? But godly sorrow doesn't keep you there in a place of condemnation, doesn't keep you in a place of, terif- of, of, of terror or a place of, of, of sadness or sorrow. Godly sorrow is to give you a reality check, a sense check and say, oh boy, you messed up. Oh, oh girl, ha, look at you, look at your head. You've messed up. And it tells you, you know what, this is the direction you should go. This is the direction you should go. There are some mistakes that I know. Look, I, I've talked to a couple of people this year, and I counsel people, and I hear things that people do, and I'm like, what were you thinking? You know, I was talking to someone, and I think I have permission to share this. I won't mention any names. But I had a conversation with someone, and, and you know, someone that I had just met. And this person was like, that she heard that I'm a pastor. Maybe I can get, you know, give her some advice. I said, okay, talk to me. What's going on? Going on? And she was like, I don't know. There's someone that came into my life who has been texting me, you know, being on my case, calling me. And, you know, he's, this person lives around my area. And I don't know, but there's something wrong about this person. There's just something off, I believe. There's something off about this person. And I said, hmm, what is off? What, what have you noticed? Is the person arrogant? No, 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 the person is not arrogant. Is the person stingy? No, no, is the person aggressive? No, 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 no. I said, so what's the problem? Tell me, what, what, what have you seen as the problem with this person? And this person said, I don't know. I can't just put my finger on this. I said, okay, let me ask this question. Is the person born again? He said, okay, no, the person is a Muslim. I said, ah, okay. And you're not sure what it is that's wrong. He said, I don't really know. I said, okay, okay. Is the person married? This person you seem to be liking, is this person married? Ah, it's, yeah, the person is married and has like three kids, actually. I said, oh, three Three, for Trinity. Ah, okay. Okay, okay. And you're not sure what's wrong. <laughs> and I had to literally spell it out and say, look, you'll be unequally yoked with an unbeliever and you'll be destroying a family if you proceed with this person's advances. Yes, the man should be to blame, but don't encourage this man's mistake. And she had gone some distance with this person, had conversations, been in situations she shouldn't be with, be in. Those were terrible mistakes. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've made terrible mistakes that you were like, wait, wait, wait. wait. How, did, how was I so stupid to, to fall for that mistake? Forget the mistake. Repent from it and push it aside. Look, you'll make many more mistakes. That's a guarantee. You will make mistakes. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you must be willing to push them aside and learn from them and keep moving. So that's the first one. Forget the mistakes made. Number two, Forget the opportunities missed. So maybe some of you feel like you've made mistakes in your life. And, and of course, there are also opportunities. Those mistakes have made you miss certain opportunities. Maybe there was one guy who was good and great. And you were forming young guy, young guy, hard guy, hard guy. The guy was trying to toast you. Solid guy. Solid believer. And you were thinking, you know what? You know what? I, I just, you know. I'll just play hard to get, you know. He can come and chase me if he wants to. You know, that's how you really know somebody wants something. I said, okay. And then the guy now looks in that direction that they're looking at him. You've missed the opportunity, sadly. You know, maybe it's a business opportunity. You're supposed to close that deal, but you delayed. You were lazy about it. You f- it seemed like you missed that opportunity. Look, believe the mercies of God, that the mercies of God can open more opportunities for you. Forget those opportunities missed. Don't, don't focus on the regret and, oh, if only, if only, if only can never solve anything. 
What solves things is God only. God, by your mercy, open up another opportunity for me. I missed it and I know I, I wasn't sensitive, but open up this opportunity for me. Please, by your mercy. And I pray by the mercy of God, opportunities, opportunities are opening up to us. And we'll be able to discern the opportunities from the, from the, from the pitfalls and from the traps in the name of Jesus. Number three, forget the achievements and success. Yes, even the good things, the achievements you've achieved, the, the success you have succeeded at. Sorry to borrow those words. Forget them. They're great. And, and look, there's a part of, of, of celebrating these things, which we'll talk about, but forget them. This is Paul's attitude. He, he listed his credentials. He says, I'm, a, I'm, a ben, I'm, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm warded. Like, if he was going to use modern-day language, you'd say, I'm a warded spiritual cook. Ah, no, no, no. I have credentials. I have bachelor's, master's, PhD. I'm solid. I'm, I'm solid. I'm sorted. You know, that's his language. And he says, look, I have still not achieved anything. That's Paul's language. Forget the achievements, the success. It's great and it's nice that you got them, but put them there. The idea is that there's still more to be done. And I'm going to add this point. Forget the bad relationships. Be ready to cut ties and burn bridges with people that you know have been toxic in your life. You know those people. You know those people who have dealt with you. You know those people who have broken your heart, who have led you to do the things that are not of God. Forget them. In this year, as you're going to the next year, make plans. Like, make plans. These people, I am dropping them. I am dropping these people because I want nothing to do. I don't want my life to be in a wreckage anymore. I want to go God's way. I want to be found at the center of God's way. And these are not the people to take me there. Be honest with yourself. Be real. Every ungodly association, I want to forget and cut those ties before I go into the new year. That should be your new year resolution. It should be. Praise the name of Jesus. And the third point that I want to bring out from what Paul said is press on to more. So yes, you realize that the work isn't done yet. You forget the things that have passed. But it's important that you also press on to more. It's one thing to forget, but you need to press. Say, I, I have to press. Say it. I have to press on. Praise the name of Jesus. I have to press on. That's you. You have to press on more in the new year. You know, something that Paul said in Acts chapter 20. I want you to open your Bibles. Acts chapter 20, from verse 26 to 27. And, you know, I feel from this scripture, there's something Paul exhibited that we can learn from. Acts chapter 20, from verse 26 to 27. This is what he says. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I am innocent. He said, this day I'm telling you, I am innocent of the blood of any man. And what is Paul trying to say? Verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And the counsel of God he's talking about here is the counsel of God as pertains to his plans and promises in Christ Jesus to bring salvation to mankind. He said, this whole counsel of God, this wise counsel, I have not shown, I have not, you know, postponed, I have not, you know, shied away from proclaiming these things to you. Anyone, everywhere I met, I, I can boldly say I was innocent of your blood. Of anyone who carried me from one place in a taxi, or maybe someone I met at the metro station, or I met at the bus stop, or I met in school, or I met at this place. Everyone I had the chance to meet and say hi to, and talk to and interact with. Ah, I told them about the counsel of God in Christ. I told them about salvation. I told them about Jesus. I took every opportunity in that supermarket to talk to those people about Jesus. There's more. I believe there's a, there's a godly discontentment that we as believers should carry. Where you're like, there's more. I've done some things, but there is more. There is more. There is more. Do you realize that the vision we have at the Vivify Ministries, it's, it's a huge vision. And I know it sounds nice. It sounds like just the right words in the right place. And what is it? It's... We, we envision a people, in fact, we envision all hearts, we envision all hearts awakened to the finished works of Christ. We, are, we, we envision it, we see all hearts, and all hearts means everyone everywhere. <laughs> How are we going to do it? Is it through the teachings? Yes. Through songs? Yes. 
through the media, yes, through movies, yes, eventually, through comics, yes, through podcasts, yes, through businesses, yes, all hearts. However it will happen, all hearts will be awakened to the finished works of Christ. And it means there is more to be done. We can look back at the end and say, oh, these were the people that joined our community, that God saved. Glory to God. We love you guys. We're excited. And if you're one of those people who joined us more seriously this year, I want to say a big thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for following God's call on your life in this place. Thank you for partnering with us and being a partner, and following through and being dedicated. Some of you inspire me so much with your dedication. I love you. And maybe you've not made up your mind. This is a chance to make up your mind to be a part of this community. Look, if you're looking for a place to grow, you found that place. You will grow and grow and you say, I still need to grow some more. That's just the attitude here. But back to what I was saying. As much as we've been able to, be, to bring more people to the family, we're saying, look, we've only just scratched the surface. We've only just scratched the surface. There's so much to be done, so much work, so much money to be spent for the gospel, so much men to raise for his kingdom, so much more disciples that we will raise and more people to be able to deploy to continue the work everywhere. Look, in, in a couple of years, I, I hope this is not premature, but in a couple of years, this is what is going to be happening, at least in the next five years. Of course, one of it is that many of you will get married. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And we have those God babies, those sweet, cute babies, you know, to follow. Amen. Let me not get carried away. But yes, you receive your miracle, baby. Receive your miracle marriage in Jesus' name. Amen. Miracle boo. Shout out loud. Hallelujah. Uh, next five years, that's going to happen. Amen. The louder your amen is, <laughs> the faster your boo approaches. Amen. <laughs> Oh, amen. You think I'm joking? Okay, now, be, be quiet. Anyways, that's going to happen. But more importantly, in the next five years, this is what's going to be happening. We're going to be raising people from different locations, strong people who can do exactly what I am doing and deploy these people in more places, places where they will be equipped and able to continue the work there. That's what's going to be happening in the next five years. The Lord told me this categorically. There's so much more I'll share with you on Friday, but... This is one of those things. And how would it happen? I don't know. That's the point, and that's why I love it. I really don't know. I understand the process. I know what, it could what could happen and how it could be, but I don't know exactly how it would happen, and that's okay. But I know that there is more, and we will push and we will press into more. Amen. But that's just overall. That's overall vision. There are some certain things that you must decide to press onto in your life that, look, I will do this more in the next year. Look, this year is already around, this is 25th, and by next week, exactly next week, we're in the new year. And in your mind, you're like, there's so, like, I feel like, can I still do anything? Can I still catch up? Are there still things on my to-do list to, to take? If there are, please, if it's within your power to achieve these things, go ahead. Go ahead and do these things before 31st of December. But at the end of the day, remember that, look, your life is not constrained to a calendar year. I think nobody has told you that clearly before. But your life is not constrained to calendar year. So between 31st of December and 1st of January, it, it, the difference can just be the decisions and the actions you take. It's not about the year. It's not, many people are just saying 2023, 2023. There's no anointing that when you say, Happy New Year, the Holy Spirit moves everywhere. Ooh, brand new, brand, you know, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. That's what people say. It's a lie. It's not magic. And many people, how many of your New Year resolutions? Right, let, me not, let me not get into your kitchen now. How many of your New Year resolutions that you wrote at the beginning of this year have you achieved? How many? Those things, it's not about the resolutions you make. It's about the actions you put to achieving those things you put and the, and the structure around it. Look, there's much more to be done. But you need to make those decisions to do them, right? One of the things I want you to decide is decide to do more for the kingdom. If we're talking about pressing on to more. Decide to do more for the kingdom. At the end of the day, when God calls you home, calls you to glory by the grace of God, it, and your work to be judged, he's not going to ask you, hey, Sister Megan, uh, how many cars did you have, you know? 
you know, maybe your name is even Monica. He says, how much money and how many cars? Monica, you, you understand? You, you, you get it, you get it. How many of these were you able to, what's in your bank account? Let me see. Ah, $2 million. You try, you try, you try. Shake me, shake me, shake me, shake me. Oh yeah, enter. Gabriel, I beg, escort this one. Ah, uh -uh, Elon Musk, Kafa. How much? 200 and what? 50 billion. You, it's true, you're the one. This is the richest guy now. What are you waiting for? Come inside. Come inside. You even have Tesla again on top. Your car, ah, uh -uh, come inside. You're good. That's, if that's what's in your head, it's a lie. It's, it can't, it's the biggest lie you've ever heard. What God will ask of you on that day is, what did you do for my kingdom? What did you do for me? You know, there was a story of the goat and the sheep, and Jesus narrated it and said the, the sheep were the ones who fed him when he was hungry and gave him drink when he was thirsty and visit, visited him when he was in prison and clothed him when he was naked. And they asked, when, when were you all, all these things? When did we do these things? It says, as much as you did this to the littlest of my brothers, you've done it to me. God takes how you treat his body, pee. He takes it so pee, so personally. He does. There's work to be done for the kingdom to your brothers and sisters in Christ in showing love to them. And also to showing love to a dying world and ushering them to the Lord. The acts of kindness and love, the little things that you think are insignificant, they matter to God because it's a direct action done to Jesus. He's established it even in the, in the case of tithing, where he says, you, you people, you've robbed me. And they ask him, when have we robbed you, God? He said, you have robbed me of tithes and offerings. As much as you didn't give tithes and offerings, this was in the old covenant. He said, you, as you have robbed the Levitical priests and the Levitical tribe, and you were not paying as when due, you were robbing me. It just tells me that God is so pee about his people and the actions you do towards them. So decide to do more for the kingdom. Expand the kingdom's cause. Just be yielded. See, I'm telling you, God is a giver of visions. He just needs you to be available. God, I am available to you this new year, and even by the, towards the end of this year, the few days we have left, I am available to you. I want to do more. I'm tired of just sitting on the back bench, warming it for too long. Put me in the field. I want to play, and I want to score those goals. I want to be a goat too. Have mercy on me, God. If you didn't get it, forget about it. Uh, but yes, Lord, I want to play on the field. I want to do better. I want to chase your kingdom. I want to press on to more for your kingdom's cause. God always honors those, those requests. I promise you. He always, he always honors those requests. Pray today if you haven't. Pray it. Mean it from your heart. God, I want to be used by you. I don't know what you have in mind, but Lord, I am here. I want to be used. And when he does that, there will be certain callings on your life. You just see that God is calling you to more things. And there are many of you that God is already putting this in your hearts. Yield those calls. You know God has asked you to do more and serve in this ministry or serve wherever he's called you to, to serve. You know it. You felt it. But somehow you're just holding back. Don't wait until someone calls you and says, Ah, I perceive you're a woman of God. I perceive you're a man of God. Come on. Be proactive about it. I want to serve. I want to do more. I want to push forward. I want to join the corporate goal of awakening all hearts. And I want to be at the vanguard. I want to be at the forefront, pushing on the work of the world, the work of the ministry. I want to push it forward. I want to equip the saints. I want to build the body of Christ. I want to be a soldier in God's army. Be proactive. Do more for the kingdom. Number two, decide to win more souls. Decide to do more, win more souls. It's not just about serving in the choir or serving in that place or that unit. At the end of the day, even if you're putting your finances, where you're putting your money where your mouth is or where your faith is, your mouth must also be used for the spreading of the gospel. You're not exempt from that. You're not excluded from it. You must preach the gospel. <laughs> you must make disciples. You must raise people in the faith. Them, I have to ask you by the end of next year, how many disciples have you raised for the kingdom? How many people have you taught the word of God? How many people have you poured out all that you know into them and taxed them to do even better than you have? Who are the people that you are responsible for in the faith? 
I need to be able to ask you that question and you'll be able to tell me, look at them. Not just, oh, I've, talking, I, I've talked, I beg your pardon. Not just, I've talked to a few people. It's, look at them. Look at them. Look at Bisi. Look at Toby. Look at Shari. Look at Chiledu. Look at Mohammed. Look at Ahmed. This guy was a Muslim. Look at what I've done in his life. This is what I want to hear from you in the next year. This is it. You plan. You target these people. See, I'm telling you, even the ones that you think that come to your mind, yeah, that this person, no, this person, I can preach to these other people. This one is hard. This one is hard. Eh? It's from this diamond they used to make his heart. It's very hard. This one is worse than even Pharaoh's one. <laughs> Those are the ones you should go forward. See, that's how God shows off his mercy. Don't you realize? The people that come to your mind that these ones are difficult, go for them. Go for them. Go for them. Speak. Sow that seed. But win souls for the kingdom this year. Decide to press on to more. Number three, decide to cover the basics of your faith again. This is important because as much as you progress and grow, it's okay to lay the foundations or, in fact, fortify the foundations. Build convictions on those foundations so that come what may, nothing can shake you. The foundation will, even if there's a turbulent wind or strong storm, the building stays where it is. It stays steady. I want to encourage you, understand the basis of your faith again. And we're going to do that as we start the new year. We're going to have teaching series that cater to that. So I want you to participate to it. But cover the basics of your faith. Understand the gospel of your salvation. Understand this grace you have received. Understand new creation realities and new creation responsibilities. Decide to fortify your foundation and the basics of your faith. Number four, decide to make more meaningful relationships. You've made some nice friends this year. I'm sure some of you, you've... This was your year. This was the year you made those friends. You made those networks. You built spiritual relationships. This was that year for you, and I'm happy for you. There is more. <laughs> you know, how God works is that when he wants to give us blessings many times, he does it through people. If you want to get blessed financially, God will not just throw a parachute filled with money, a bag of money and dollars, and drop it. That's, that's, that's 419 now. Even if it's God that did it, even do it's 419 now. Who did he collect the money from? I mean, he has a printing machine. I'm not saying God cannot provide. But he, he chose to do this method, even though it's miraculous, to do it through people. Sometimes the blessing is just at the hand of that other person that you're yet to meet. You've made some friends, and I promise you, it, it, it's, it's beneficial that you honor and respect and protect and sustain those relationships you form because even as you grow older it's harder so build them and sustain them but remember you can make new relationships formidable relationships maybe it's you where you're in a case of you feel alone you don't feel like you've made any friends in fact it feels like you've lost all the people you've once held there it's an opportunity to grow more be a part of a community if you'd like to be a part of ours we're with open arms and you know that here at Verify, we love you so much. We want to be a part of your life. We want to share with you as you share with us. We want to be a part of your journey. To make meaningful friendships. I'm, see, I'm one person. I make friends easily. I love to make friends. I, you see, the easiest thing I can do is call you my friend. Of course, there's a place where everyone has their inner circle. But to be a friend where you can have conversations and you can have access, I, it's very easy for me. And it's something that God has given me the grace to do. Because I, it, friendship, I believe at the very core of discipleship is friendship. All right? and, and that's what I want you to know. So make those friendships. If it's with me, if it's with Pastor Chisholm, if it's with the, the leaders here at the ministry, partner with them. Be, be friends with them. Connect with them. Get to know them. Be involved. You can't do this work alone. Don't stay isolated in 2023. That's one of the devices and schemes that the enemy uses, if he can take you away from Christian community. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If he can take you away from Christian community, take you away from love and family and, and godly relationships, people who can provoke you to do the right things, then that's when he wins. Don't allow him win. Next one, decide to cover the Bible. Look, I know I don't always encourage this because a lot of people go for quantity over quality. Um, but it's okay, look, especially for those of you who have been in the faith for a while. You've been in the faith for five years, four years, three years, seven years, ten years. Since you were in the womb, like John the Baptist, you, you, the Holy Spirit quickened you. <laughs> Whether that's you, 
at least you owe it to God to read through all the books of the Bible. And you owe it to yourself. In other religions, for example, Judaism or Islam, you know, in Judaism, for example, before you, you have what you call a bar mitzvah, some of you have heard of that before. It's a ceremony where you celebrate a Jewish boy who is becoming a man, and usually around the age of 13 years old. Yes, so sometimes at 13 years old, you're deemed to be a man because of the ceremony. And what they'll do is they'll take you through the entire Torah. In fact, you will have the expectation to have memorized it by heart. They don't do it for the ladies because ladies are not exposed to Torah classes, um, sadly. But the men are allowed to do this and are expected to memorize the entire Torah by heart. Even when you look at the Islamic tradition, you see that a lot of parents encourage that, that they learn the, to, to memorize the Quran in Arabic. It's so powerful, guys. The training on, we take this grace, ah, it's the grace of God, all those things. We take it so lightly that we don't pay attention to the word of God. See, memorize as many scriptures as you can. At least cover the Bible. Read from Genesis to Revelation. Read every book of the Bible. At least. Even if you're going to focus on the Old Testament next year, read every book in the Old Testament. If it's the New Testament, read every book in the New Testament. But cover the Bible. Do more this year. Number next is partner more in the new year. I, I want to encourage you to do this. When I say partner to a ministry, it's usually in two ways. Usually in two ways. One, in service. Number two, materially. And that means financially. So in service meaning, look, I might not have all the money in the world. And even if I do, I just feel like I want to support the work they're doing here. I believe in it. And I want to talk about it. I want to be that person that brings five people, ten people for Bible study. I'm not there alone. I want to serve in this capacity. I want to build a culture of invitation. Oh, I feel like they need this in the protocol team. Oh, I see that they need more hands in the media. Oh, I see that they need more video editors. Oh, I see they need more social media managers. I see that they need to do this work and spread this message everywhere. I want to do whatever I can. And even if I don't have the skill, I would learn the skill to do the work. Partner more this year, my people, my brothers and sisters. Partner more. At the end of the day, you're not doing it to impress me or impress anyone. It's for the Lord's work. These are the things he will ask you on that day. What did you do with your time and your resources? What did you do for me? He will ask you. He will ask you these questions. And I want your answer to be, look, God, you've seen it. This is what I did. And you can truly vouch for your, for your actions and show that, look, this is what I've done. And I want you to put your money where your faith is. I want you to put your money. Look, I'm telling you, God honors the one who can give 500 naira regularly and consistently than someone who just gives 50,000 naira, couldn't care less about the ministry, couldn't care less about the work, and just drops it because they have to. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that even if you sell your body or give your body to be burnt for the sake of someone, but you do not do it out of love, it means nothing. So keep the money. If that's your motivation, keep the money. We don't want it. But if, if you know that there's work to be done and this work needs the money that it needs, put your money where your mouth is. Put it, put it. No matter how small, give. The story of the widow's might was one that this widow gave all that she had and a Pharisee gave much more than that out of his abundance but out of religion and religious duty. When Jesus said the woman who gave that little penny she gave more than the Pharisee. It was not about the quantity of the money. It was the heart, the level of sacrifice it took to give. Some of you are going to give sacrificially this next year because we need it. But God is going to abound to you all that you need to even do more than you've ever done. I can tell you categorically that this year, look, I've had a whole lifetime of generosity and giving by the grace of God, giving to people, giving to the work of God, not just in the, this ministry, but across other ministries that some of you know. I partner, I give, I contribute. Wherever I see God doing works and, and doing great things, I put my money there, even when I didn't have anything. But I can tell you this year, I have given more to the work of the Lord than I've done all the two decades of my life. That's the very truth. Just between... Just between May of this year till now, I've done more than I've ever done for the gospel in my entire life. That's why God wants us to be, that even in the little you've, you've done, you can press on, you can do more, you can partner more. He will never leave you stranded. That's the God you serve. He will always abound for you to have more to give because he's seen your heart. He sees that you are responsible enough to be entrusted with such 
possessions. Praise the name of Jesus. So I've talked about, first of all, realize that the work isn't done yet. Number two, forget the things that are past. Number three, press on to more. We've talked about some of those things to do better in this year. Remember, the, the goal is all hearts, all hearts. So all hearts are awakened to the finished works of Christ. Number four is this, and I'm reading from verse 16. He says, but we must hold on to the progress we have made already. So it sounds like a contradiction, like a paradox. Forget the things which are behind, but at the same time, he's saying, hold on to the progress you've made. What Paul is trying to say is, is it's okay that you've made this progress. Hold on to it. It's, it's, it's a good trophy. You've done this enough. The idea is to be grateful for it. So the, the fourth point is hold on to the progress made and remain grateful for it. Stay grateful. You can look at your year, and I know there are things you've done wrong. There are things you've done well. Whatever those things are that you've done well, look at those things or good things that have happened and thank God for them. It's a, it's a time of thanksgiving when you ruminate on your year. What do you think about? Do you see the fingerprints of God's goodness in your life? And the truth is this. Sometimes we can be blinded by, by, by our circumstances. Be blinded by the immediate hurt. Be blinded by immediate circumstances that we forget the good that God has already done for us throughout this year. Hold on to the progress that has been made. Think about it and give glory to God. Say, Lord, thank you. You did this. There was no day that went by where I didn't eat. It's your mercy. I woke up throughout this year. There were, cal- there were calamities. There were accidents. There were disasters. I'm alive. I'm well. I'm strong. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Just remember the things. Maybe it's even in your journey in the faith. Maybe you're in a better place this year than you were last year in your faith with the Lord. Thank you, God. You preserved my faith. You've made me better. I have experienced such growth, and I'm grateful to you. Thank you, God. And that's number four. Praise the name of Jesus. As we round off, I want to just emphasize something that if you're going to finish strong and also start strong the truth is this my emphasis is not just for you to finish strong if you're finishing strong it's for you to finish strong with the right mentality so you can start strong for next year the year is not over there's still work that can be done but i want you to finish strong with the right mentality and if you're going to do all that god will ask you to do next year and achieve and chase those God-sized visions, those plans, those things you've laid out, those things you've gotten through prophecy, those things that you're passionate about. If you're going to achieve them, you need the grace of God. You're going to need the grace of It's only by the grace of God. How can you see someone, an ordinary man like Samson, who has long hair, looks like a savage, and this ordinary man is able to have the strength of about 10 men and able to kill thousands of soldiers with the, with, with the, with the jawbone of a donkey. How is a man able to do this? By the grace and empowerment of God. But the thing is, as much as Samson had all the grace, had all the power at his disposal, if Samson sat in his house, he will never be able to put that grace to use. Do you know that? Grace was designed to be used. was designed to be used. And you will never know you have such grace and capacity unless you go out to try the grace you've received. Samson could only do all that he did because he believed he had the grace and he went about to do it. And this was not even a man that had grace resident or the spirit's resident. The Bible will describe it. And the spirit of God came upon Samson and he did this and did that. It was this. It was transient. Only as the need arises, but... God has given you much grace. Praise the name of Jesus. If God has given you an assignment to do, you best believe he has given you the grace with which to achieve it. Praise the name of Jesus. But let me show you this, what I was talking about. That as much as you have the grace, there's work to be done. I want to give a balance to it. People say there's grace, there's grace. There's really nothing to do. We've just received grace. Glory to God. But there's work to be done. You must do the work. Or else grace will be ashamed. Amen. Look at this scripture. James 2, verse 20, I'll read it quickly. It says, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. Similarly, when you receive grace and you don't put in the work, it's dead. What James is saying here is, look, if you say you believe something would happen or you believe you have this or this can be done, but you don't put it to practice, it is dead. And he gave the example of Abraham. 
that if Abraham truly believed God can give him the child of promise, and God is asking Abraham to sacrifice the same child of promise, if you truly have faith, you will know that, see, if it's God who, in fact, by miracle, gave us this child, he can bring him back to life or give us another one. At the end of the day, this is his. And, and Abraham actually carries the sacrificial knife to take the action. So in that case, he's saying, look, Abraham was, while we say Abraham was justified by his faith, faith he was actually justified by his works. His works justified his faith and he was justified by his faith. I hope that makes sense. So his works proved that he had faith, and because he had faith, he was justified. That's, that's what James was trying to explain here. Powerful stuff. Titus 3, from verse 3 to 8. I'll read it very quickly. Titus 3, from verse 3 to 8. I'm going to read it as quickly as I can. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of our God of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. So the grace of God that appears to us and the kindness of God is not because of works of righteousness that we have done. It's not. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, when we poured out upon us abundantly through Christ Jesus, that the having been justified by his grace. I love that. We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So because of his grace, we have eternal life. Verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want to, you to affirm constantly. So this is a faithful saying. He's saying, I want you to affirm these things consistently. Now he's putting some emphasis to it, meaning you should make this emphatic in your life. That those who have believed in God, look at this. Those who have put faith in God, who have believed in God, should be careful to maintain good works. Some of you have not seen this scripture. You stop at verse 5. Look at this. That you should be careful as much as you've believed in God. Be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Praise the name of Jesus. So there is grace, so, but you must be what? Able to maintain good works. You're meant to be able to do good works. Where grace comes, works must follow. Do you understand? If you're going to do all that God has called you to do, he will give you the grace and then you can do. If there's anything God has asked you to do, know that you are able to do it because of the grace of God. But you must do it. <laughs> it's not about the resources you have. You must do it. It's not about the skills you have. You must do it. You might not be the best orator, but if God said you are going to speak to thousands, you will speak to thousands, not because you are the best orator. Do you understand what I'm saying? <sighs> Titus chapter 2 from verse 11 to verse 14. God, God, you've asked me to build that business empire. I don't have the money. I don't have the networks. I don't have the idea. How would it happen? But by the grace of God. Titus 2, verse 11 to 14. Verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation to, has appeared to all men. So this grace of God has appeared to us, right? Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live sober, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So there are expectations of us because of this grace. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus and, and our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So this grace does not only teach us to deny ungodliness, but it teaches us to adopt godly lifestyles, godly works, good works, that we are passionate to maintain good works, just as Titus has said in chapter ahead in chapter 3. Praise the name of Jesus. This is powerful. Where grace is, good works must follow. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 7 to 8, and I'll read from verse 10. Uh, of verse 8. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Uh, let me see. Okay, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kind, his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been what? Saved. So you see grace again. For by grace have you been saved through faith, that not, not, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, 
not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. We are, we are his creation, his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for what purpose? By grace, but for what purpose? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. The idea is this, that God has given you the grace, but he predestined you to walk in good works. The, the ability to do the good works is rooted in the grace you have received. If God has called you to do some things in the year, even to serve for the, for the cause of the gospel and the kingdom's expansion, it's only by the grace he has given you, but you must put that grace to use. Paul says, do not take the grace of God in vain. You can take it in vain when you don't use it. That's the idea. When you don't use the grace of God, even to fight those addictions, to live a godly life, to rise above sin, if you don't use the grace, you are taking it in vain. Because it's not, the problem is that it's not, it's not that it's not available. That's not the problem. It's that you're not using the grace. It's there. So you can say no because grace is there. No to sin. No to temptation. No to Potiphar's wife because there is grace there. You don't sound like you believe it. Oh, glory to God. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 to 5, as I round off. I'm going to read one more scripture after this. But 2 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 4 to 5, this is what it says. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. I love this. We have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are so... See, there's a trust you have in God that God has got your back. And this is why. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything has been from ourselves because your strength to do the work and to say no to sin and to expand the kingdom of God and to build that business empire or to do all that God has said through prophecy and through promises and promptings is not of yourself. That's not what trusting God looks like. Trusting God is a consciousness that our sufficiency is from God. Can you say that as loud as you can? My sufficiency is of God. <laughs> I don't have anything in myself, but my sufficiency is of God. Ah, is your sufficiency of God, my brothers and sisters? In 2023, where is your sufficiency? In God. Oh, can you say it louder? It's in God. Because he gives much more grace. Much more grace. This is how you show trust in God. Like I said, God's grace was designed to be used. And used in abundance. Praise the name of Jesus. So chase those dreams. Don't be afraid. The provision is there. The capital is there. Just do. If there's anything that Nike got right, is just do it in this context. Just Nike, it's just do it. God is with you. Amen. Amen. So go in the grace of the Lord. Don't just stay praying for grace and waiting for grace to overtake you. Do it. God has given you the grace. If truly God has sent you to do a work, he will give it to you. And verse uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And we started with this scripture, but it's only fitting that we end this series with this scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 2. Oh, this is powerful. Open your Bibles here with me. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Open your Bibles here. Are you there? Hebrews 12 from verse 1 to 2. I'll wait for you just three more seconds. I'll wait for you and then we'll read. Thank you, Jesus. It says, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, which were established in chapter 11, the, the heroes of faith, let us, let's see, they have set us as an example, they've set themselves as an example for us by their faith. So saying, since we have these witnesses who have gone through what we've gone through, and they succeeded and they conquered and they were victorious, let us therefore do what? Lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily ensnares us, and I love that we've covered this a lot when Pastor Chisholm talked about this in the first few weeks, that we can lay aside these weights. We can lay aside the easily besetting sins. But he says this, let us run with endurance. The, 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 the King James word is with, with patience, the race that is set before us. The reason why I believe patience is important is that as you're running, it's possible that as you're running, you might make some falls. You might make mistakes. 
But you have to be patient on this race. It'll be, it'll be a struggle. Maybe you've not even been running. You know what happens when you, you are unfit, you've not been in the gym, and they say, oh yeah, TMC jogging, everybody, let's jog. You'll be out of breath, you'll be tired, but be patient with yourself because there's a time coming where you will run and your pace will be faster and you won't fall and you will jump those hurdles and you will jump again, but you have to be patient in that process. And while you do that, it says, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. The example of how to start and conclude the faith. The alpha and omega of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, when you do the work... When your focus is Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the one who gave us the clear example that, look, it might be difficult, but there's a joy that is set before you. It might be hard to do Bible study, but you know you'll be better for it. So you, you'll read those scriptures because it's better for you. You pray those number of hours because it's good for you. You break off those relationships. It might be painful, but for the joy that is set before you, you endure the cross. This is my charge to you, brothers and sisters. Go in the grace of the Lord, but look on Jesus as you do that. Be patient in your process. Forget the things which are behind. Remember there's much work to do. And then because of that, press on to more, even as you remain thankful for all that God has given you already. Can we just pray right now? I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.